The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. That's right. Bear down, Bears fans. It's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you. After, well, biddy, 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 that's all, folks. The Chicago Bears lose to the Green Bay Packers. Had a chance there at the end, but effectively ending their season, eliminated from the playoffs after the Vikings wiped the floor with the Chargers. So the Bears dropped to 7-7 seven and seven with no chance at the postseason this year. Obviously a disappointing season for Bears players, Bears coaches, the Bears brass, and Bears fans everywhere. Coming off that 12-4 and season, certainly expected things a lot better than a team fighting to finish 500. We do have a fantastic guest coming up a little bit later in the podcast. Alan Robinson will be on the podcast doing some great things with the Within Reach Foundation. It's his own foundation does a lot of things for educating kids and really helping them improve their situations in life. So we'll talk to Alan about that, but obviously we will get into plenty with the Chicago Bears after that tough loss there. And Alan really had a shot there if Jesper Horstead would have given him that lateral to get that through the end zone. Anthony Miller was up front, had a, had a nice, you know, could have been a, a nice blocker for him, but it doesn't happen. And of course, there would be no guarantees there. Now, the Bears would have had a lot of momentum, but they needed a two point conversion and to win in overtime after that one. So, would have been asking for a lot, but that would have been really sweet to beat the Green Bay Packers in that fashion. But. That is going to do it, folks. That That's it for the season. 7-7, seven and seven, nothing to play for except pride the rest of the way. And, and look, it, it doesn't mean much, but I would like this team to try and split these last two games. 8-8 eight eight looks a lot better than 7-9. and nine. You never want to have a losing record. They're going to be mediocre regardless. 7-9, 8-8, There's not too much of a significant difference there. But I would like you know, to put some lipstick on the pig, so to speak, and get the Bears to 500. 9-7 be even, even better. But there's really no reason to think the Bears, without much to play for, can beat the likes of the Chiefs and Vikings. So maybe they can get lucky in, in one of those. But let's talk about this Packers game a little bit because it really felt like a microcosm to the season in a lot of different respects. The Chicago Bears defense 
played well. You give up 21 points to Aaron Rodgers. They gave up 10, obviously, in week one. That's 15 and a half points to an Aaron Rodgers-led offense. You're certainly not going to complain if that's the output of your defense for the season against the Packers. But again, they had warts. And this Bears defense has had warts all season long. They have lacked a pass rush. They have lacked the ability to create turnovers and make big plays on the defensive side of the ball. And they have lapses where they do give up points. No, they don't have lapses other than maybe the Saints game where they're just getting shelled for several points, 30, 35 points. But they have lapses where the teams can go on a bit of a, a run and get a couple back-to-back -to -back touchdowns and put the offense, which struggles anyway, behind the eight ball. And we saw that there after a lackluster first half on, on both sides of the ball, really, for the Packers and the Bears. The Bears give up a couple of touchdowns. Suddenly, they're down 21 to three. And suddenly, you know, the, the Bears are in a giant hole. They have to abandon any running game that they do have, which we'll get to in a second. But... The bottom line is they become one dimensional and it's a lot harder. You know, you don't come back from 18 points very often at the NFL level. And that's exactly what the Bears were trying to do. They got close. They were within a couple yards of giving themselves a two point conversion from tying the game. But again, you can't get behind like that. And yes, I understand that the Bears offense scored three points and that was why they were so far behind. I'm not saying the defense is bad. The defense is still very good. It's definitely a top 10 defense. I think it's probably still a top five defense, but it's not at that elite level that it was last season. So the Bears defense, while it played well against Green Bay, it still didn't do everything it needed to do to push this team to a victory. Now, I mentioned the running game, and the running game against Green Bay was bad. And the Green Bay run defense is not good. We saw the Eagles just crush this run. Yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot of teams crush this defense running the football, the San Francisco 49ers. This team can be run against, and the Chicago Bears just can't do it. They didn't do it in week one and abandoned it early. They didn't abandon it quite as early this time, but they certainly certainly did not run the football effectively. They were really bad in the first half. The run game was a little better in the second half when they were just trying to complement the pass with it a little bit. But the bottom line is this run game has been suspect all season long. And when you have a quarterback that is struggling, yes, Mitch Troopers, I am calling Mitch Trubisky a struggling quarterback overall. When you have a quarterback that's struggling, you need to establish a run game. And we saw Nagy abandon basically his entire offense against the Chargers, go eye formation, lead blocker, and just run the football. And yes, it was effective, but yes, the Bears still lost. And I understand that they had a field goal opportunity to win that game, but the Chargers are not a good football team. So to sit there and say, well, that's what the Bears needed to do. They needed to go eye formation, run the football. That's how they should have won football games this year. That if, if Pinheiro hits that field goal, the Bears squeak by at home against the Chargers at a one o'clock game. West Coast teams, when they go east of the Mississippi, 
at 1 o'clock Eastern games, noon Central games, they're terrible. They almost never win. So the fact that the Bears were going to scrape out a victory that way isn't the fact that they should do it. It's actually proof that they shouldn't do it. That's not how this team was built. This team was built as a pass-first offense where the pass sets up the run. But the problem is the pass has been so bad for most of the season, it's certainly not setting up the run. And when they try and set up the run, there's just a lot of confusion, a lot of poor blocking, a lot of bad run schemes. There's just so many things going wrong with the run offense that it, it just can't be relied upon. David Montgomery has flashed plenty in his rookie year that he will most likely be an effective running back at the NFL level. How effective? That's still up in the air because his numbers for this season will not be spectacular. But he's shown enough. He can drag tacklers. He can break tackles. He can do a lot of good things. He's got good hands out of the backfield if he gets utilized. There's a lot of good things David Montgomery can do, but right now they are just not getting enough of an opportunity for him to shine. What does that mean for this offseason? For me, I don't know who's at fault here. Obviously, Matt Nagy is at fault overall. But how much is Mark Helfrich doing with the pass game? How much is it Harry Heastand about what this offensive line should be doing in, in run blocking? How much is it Nagy? There's so much. So we just don't know because we're not in these rooms. We cannot find out exactly who's who's handling the run game and who's handling the run schemes and, and who's handling. There's just too much that we don't know. The Bears certainly need to make a change in this capacity. If they decide that Helfrich is the scapegoat, fine. That would make plenty of sense. But at the same time, I don't think the Bears just need a new offensive coordinator. I think the Bears need a run game coordinator. They need someone that sees what Kyle Shanahan can do in the modern day offense and how to run the ball effectively and utilize that kind of system. They need to be able to run the football. I do not want to go back to run, running the ball 40 times a game, ground and pound and win games nine to six. That's not what I'm saying, but they do need to be able to have a better run scheme. They need to get make sure those offensive linemen are running downhill and mauling their players and getting a push for David Montgomery or Tariq Cohen or who's ever in the backfield. It's just not happening on a regular basis. We've seen it from time to time, but it's not there regularly. So the run game needs to be fixed. Now, the offensive line is an interesting situation because a lot of Bears fans want to blame the offensive line for the struggles of this season. I think that's pretty unfair. I am not really down on the offensive line this year. It hasn't been great, but it certainly hasn't been dreadful when you look at the full body of work. Yeah, they've had some bad games, especially early on, but they've really turned the corner. This pass blocking has been pretty good. The Bears' pass blocking win rates is a solid percentage. There's really too much being dumped on the offensive line for the problems here. Yeah, their run blocking isn't great, but I do think that a lot of that has to do with scheme and not so much how they're blocking, but the scheme and how they're asked to block. I think there's a big issue there. With pass blocking, it really hasn't been bad. It's I think it's been above average. It's, it hasn't been amazing. This isn't an elite group, but I think it's an above average group. And an above average group at the NFL should be enough for the Bears to have success on the offensive level. And they just obviously have, haven't been getting it. I think when you look at this offensive line overall, there's not a lot they can do based on contracts and guaranteed money. The one spot being right guard. 
Right guard is a problem. I had hope for Rashad Coward. I kind of had this, I worked this up in my head that he'd be the next big cat Williams. And I don't think the Bears have really utilized him to his strengths a lot here. He's been really bad the last month, six weeks or so. But at the same time, they're just he's gotten so many reps since Kyle Long was put on IR. So many reps that I really think you have to sit there and go, maybe he's not going to be the guy. I understand that when you are converting a guy defensive line to offensive line, this isn't something that's going to work out overnight. But there's been enough reps, and there's still too much struggling for me to believe in Rashad Coward. I would not like the Chicago Bears to go into 2020 with Coward penciled in as their starting right guard. I am hoping with these next two weeks that they give Alex Bars a start or two, or at least rotate him in with Rashad Coward. Let's see him go up against, you know, the Chiefs defense is playing well right now. Let's see how he does against them. Let's see how he does against that Vikings front. Let's see Alex Bars in action. If he gets his butt kicked, fine. Let it be a learning moment. If he looks good, that's some promise there. But the Bears need to have a plan at right guard because that's really the only position that I think they can do anything with. Cody Whitehair's locked in, and he should. He's having a solid campaign. James Daniels, that's only his second year. He's going to continue to grow and hopefully continue to improve. He's had some, some rough moments, but he's had some pretty good moments this season as well. And then you got Leno and Massey on the outside, whose contracts are dictating that they should be sticking around. And Charles Leno gets a bad rap. But I do, I'm not against Charles Leno like a lot of Bears fans are. I think he's a solid player, especially considering how much he's developed as a seventh round pick, the kind of contract he has compared to what left tackles get. I think Leno's pretty productive in that role. Not amazing, but a solid player. So I, I don't have an issue with Leno. Massey had some really bad moments this year as well. If the Bears want to try and bring in a better swing tackle, that's fine. Cornelius Lucas has done a pretty good job considering. But the offensive line, there's not a lot that can be done there. What they need is they need Whitehair to have a solid year from start to finish. They need Daniels to really develop. They need a much better right guard. Obviously, that didn't work out with Kyle Long, and the guys they had in waiting certainly were not good enough. And they need Massey and Leno to return their 2018 form, that's for sure. So then that brings us to the quarterback position. Well, before we get to the quarterback position, tight end. Holy cow, get a real tight end. Get someone in there who can play the position. Adam Shaheen is dreadful. They should cut him in February. They're probably going to wait till August to cut him, but there's zero reason for him to be on the roster in his final year on his rookie deal. He's terrible. Ben Broniker will probably be back, but he's more of a special teamser. Jesper Horstead, I think he will be one of your four, four five tight ends as well. Bradley Sowell, that didn't work out. Goodbye. And Trey Burton due to the contract. Trey Burton's going to be back. And look, Trey Burton's not terrible if Trey Burton will actually be on the field and play. He's not going to live up to his contract, but he's at least a guy who can catch passes from Trubisky. So I think Trey Burton will be back, and Trey Burton needs to be better than he was this year. He gave the team basically nothing out of the U tight end position, and that is not okay. They need improvement there. I don't know how the Bears are going to fix this. I think they need to bring in two tight ends. I would sign a veteran, you know, an Austin Hooper type. I'm, you know, if they can go after someone to that of that elk. And I think they also need to draft and draft high, like one of those second round picks, a tight end, because they cannot run a Matt Nagy offense with zero. 
out of the tight end position. That That's not okay. Now, I am not going to just come in here and yell and scream and say Trubisky stinks, especially after they had an opportunity to beat the Packers in Lambeau. But you cannot objectively look at Mitch Trubisky and say he played very well against the Packers. You cannot. He was too inconsistent, and he was maddeningly inconsistent because he made some throws across his body down the sidelines. He made some excellent throws of the football. He showed some vision before delivering those footballs. And you sit there and say, that's the number two pick. That's the guy who has the potential to be a top 10 quarterback at the NFL level. That's the guy the Bears can win a Super Bowl with. But he's only there for part of the game and not 80, 90% of the game, not even 50% of the game, maybe only 25% of the game. And then there's this other Mitch Trubisky who does not step up into the pocket pretty much ever. Anytime there's a hint of pressure, he never steps up to look for that receiver. He'll roll out right, he'll roll out left, which makes things far more difficult on the offensive line to block because they don't know, they're not looking back to see where Mitch is. They're assuming Mitch is in the pocket. When the play is designed for Mitch to be in the pocket, they are assuming that that's where he is. When Mitch decides to dart out to the right or dart out to the left, which sometimes is necessary, and you've got a player pushing their guy to the outside, suddenly they're pushing their guy towards Trubisky. And there's nothing that an offensive lineman can do about it. He simply is just trying to keep his man away from the center of the pocket. So Trubisky needs to step up in the pocket more. And on Twitter all the time at ZimmermanSXM, I see fans, you don't get it. You're too hard on Trubisky. You're the biggest Trubisky hater on, on, on Twitter. He, he needs to roll out more. They need, you know, all, all, blah, 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 blah. Guys, you cannot be a successful quarterback at the NFL level if you are not a very good pocket passer. It's the, there's no such thing. And when I say this in an argument with fans, they always bring up Lamar Jackson. Well, look at Lamar Jackson. The Bears could do what the Ravens do with Lamar Jackson. Guys, Lamar Jackson is a fantastic pocket passer. He's thrown more touchdown passes in the pocket than any quarterback in the NFL this year. So to sit there and say they need him to be more like Lamar Jackson, they do need him to be more like Lamar Jackson. They need him to be successful in the pocket, which he is not being on a consistent basis. He is not stepping up in the pocket. His pocket presence has improved a little bit in terms of sensing the pressure. But again, it's never forward with Trubisky. It's always sidestepping, which creates sacks. There are times where Mitch basically just runs into a defender because he feels a little pressure to the right, runs to the left, and basically just runs into a defender. He has created a lot of sacks this year, and that is a problem. So when you look at Trubisky's full body of work, and I said this on last week's podcast, you can't look at Trubisky anymore in terms of, well, he's better than he was at the beginning of the season against the Packers, or he's better than he was against the Saints. You can't build on this anymore. At this point, you need to look at what level of execution you need out of the quarterback position and what kind of consistency you need out of the quarterback position. And you need to say to yourself, can Trubisky be this guy? And after showing 
you know, a couple good games there against Detroit and Dallas. To me, Trubisky stepped back again. And now he's got a Chiefs defense, which is playing well, and a Vikings defense, which is even better. And I don't expect Mitch to do much these last two games. He should 100% start at this point. There's zero reason to go to Chase Daniel at this point with the season over. But he needs to play, and the Bears need to see what they have because they have to make an impossible decision at quarterback next year. Now I get a lot of Bears fans want to blame Matt Nagy and I am not absolving Matt Nagy of anything, but I think Matt Nagy one deserves a lot of credit for keeping this locker room together when it was definitely showing signs of splintering. He kept them together. He recovered won a few games in a row. Obviously the Packer game didn't pan out as he wanted to, but Matt Nagy, the head coach, I really think he deserves a lot of credit. Matt Nagy, the offensive play caller, the offensive coach, the design. I don't have a problem with a lot of what's going on with the passing game. I know a lot of Bears fans do, but I think the problem is far more about Trubisky executing the offense than the, the calls that Matt Nagy is, is, is calling. I will say this. I think there is a major issue with this running game. Major issue. And I don't think Matt Nagy's the guy to solve it. I think they need to bring in some fresh eyes to look at this running game and see how to fix it because it should not be this bad. I'm not saying the Bears should be a top five run team, but they should be able to be average. That's not asking for that much. David Montgomery is good enough to be a part of an average offense, you know, run offense. And this offensive line is good enough to be part of an average offensive line running the football. So there's no reason the Bears can't be average running the football. They were below average last year and they're dreadful this year. So things need to improve on the run game. That's on Nagy that he wasn't able to do that this year. But certainly, I think. The fans that want to blame Nagy for this mess, he obviously has some of the blame. Obviously, you cannot not point the finger at the head coach when the team disappoints to this extent. But I think it is very hard to evaluate Nagy and even to evaluate this team as a whole when I think they're getting very mediocre play out of the quarterback position on a regular basis. When... The quarterback plays better. Like we saw those games against Detroit and Dallas. Look how much better everything else looked. Suddenly people say, oh, the offensive line blocked pretty well. Suddenly it's, oh, David Montgomery got some yards. Suddenly it's, oh, the defense. Defense settled in and was able to come after the quarterback a little bit. It's amazing how much better everything looks when the quarterback's executing. So the Bears have a lot to look at this offseason, it will be very interesting to see what direction Ryan Pace decides to go at the quarterback level. Because if you want to bail on Mitch Trubisky and just make him QB2 and know you're going to you know, part ways with him at the end of the, his fourth year, yes, you can pick up the fifth-year option to cover yourself and rescind it later. But if he's going to be QB2, then you can go after a guy like Cam Newton, maybe a Derek Carr, someone of that extent, if that's who you want to go for. But if you're going to want to keep Mitch Trubisky possibly as a starter, then you're going to have to look at di different quarterbacks. So Ryan Pace, the next decision he makes at quarterback is going to determine if he gets to keep his job as Chicago Bears GM. And you listen to this podcast, you know I'm a supporter of Ryan Pace. He built that entire defense. He's pretty much built this entire team. There's really no one on this team that he didn't bring in except for a handful of guys. But Ryan Pace needs to get the quarterback position right, and he hasn't to this point. I don't care about Mike Glennon. I've ranted about that on this podcast before. This 
is about getting the quarterback position right. He did not with Mitch Trubisky. He needs to find a capable bridge or a veteran who can play, figure it out, and get the Chicago Bears back into the playoffs. Because if he doesn't, I think him and Matt Nagy will be losing their jobs in about 54 weeks. So let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we will talk to Chicago Bears star wide receiver, Allen Robinson. You've got Bears banter. We'll be back right in a minute. All right. Well, here he is as promised. He has been the star of the Chicago Bears team all of 2019, having a, a dominant season on the field. But Allen Robinson dominates off the field as well, giving back to the community, his foundation, the Within Reach Foundation, doing some wonderful things. We're going to talk to him about that and a little bit about the Chicago Bears season. Allen, Bill Zimmerman, thanks so much for jumping on. No problem. Thank you for having me. All right, well, let's let's start off with the foundation right away here because I know you had an Evening Within Reach event uh, a little while back that raised, I, I believe, $135,000. So talk a little bit about the goal of your foundation and, and what you're trying to give back to the community. Yeah, you know, so that's our – that's the biggest event that we have a year, you know. Um, and that event right there helps us raise money to do our back-to-school event and also our Christmas event. But – even bigger, it helps us implement the reading room that we try to establish inside of the boys and girls clubs. You know, we've we've uh, discovered a uh, statistic that shows that um, from the third grade reading level, you know, states and and um, I'm not sure about uh, federally, but I know like statewide, you know, they they estimate how many spots they'll need and how many prisons they'll potentially need to build or how many spots that they'll need, you know, because of the the uh, reading rate of a third grader, you know, so as that reading rate for a third grader is, is decreased, the level of incarceration increases, you know, so for us, our main goal is that we want to be able to help educate, you know, a lot of the youth, especially in the inner city who may be a little bit less fortunate, you know, to be able to give them the proper things to make sure that they can have a good life for themselves. And, and and that's that's just absolutely great. And um, my my uh, my girl actually has taught a lot in 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 some of those communities where where they're they're not as is is economically viable and everything. And and she really fights for elementary school level. So she she fights for the kids there every day, ju just like you're doing. And 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 I'm with you. You cannot stress enough how important it is for for the education in those in those communities to. You know, I, I think a lot of parents, they always want their kids to have a better life than they did. You know, they want them to just build build upon things. And, and you can't do that without the education. And it starts it doesn't start in high school where, where a lot of people, you know, start chipping in and trying to, to get people on the right track. It starts at the elementary level. Definitely, definitely. You know, again, and that's and that's, you know, a big a big concern of ours, you know, as far as being able to to touch, you know, the youth at a much younger age so that they can have you know, the ability to have a, a good and well-rounded uh, maturation process going into middle school and going into high school. And and if, if people want to donate to the cause, I mean, you guys have a website. What's the best way? I, I know your your main event's passed, but how, how can people help out Allen Robinson's foundation? Yeah, yeah. you can go on allenrobinson12.org, you know, to, to, to also donate and to also keep up with, with the events that we're having. You know, if anybody ever wants to wants to come to – to one of the events or just, you know what I'm saying, being able to, to uh, donate or something like that, you know, from afar. All right. Well, let me jump over uh, and talk a little bit on the field here because, like I said, you're, you're having a great season. You had another great game against the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, you guys were fighting for your playoff lives. Didn't quite get the ending you guys obviously were looking for. What, what was that game like in those conditions and, and you performing as you did and, and trying to battle back in that game? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, it definitely was cold, you know, but I think that for us, you know, um, again, we did have to battle back. You know, we got we got behind a little bit early. You know, we weren't able to make as many plays early on as we have done in the in the previous weeks, you know. But, again, everybody stayed in there. Everybody didn't flinch, and we continued to fight and gave ourselves a chance at the end. You know, again, with, with everything that has gone on with us throughout the course of this year, you know, I think it, it just shows, you know, the – I think it's a true testament to everybody's character that's in the locker room, and not only in the locker room, but just overall in the in the facility. You know, for us to go on a tough a tough losing streak, you know, for us to have have um, a lot more injuries than we had the prior year. You know, it was a lot going on, and nobody ever flinched. You know, so again, I think that's just a true testament to everyone. You know, again, it didn't ultimately come down to the outcome that we wanted as far as getting in the playoffs. You know, but I think for myself. You know, personally, you know, it's a lot of respect that I have for this 2019 team is just as far as how everybody has come in and replaced guys who have gotten hurt and guys have stepped up and in 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 roles, you know, that they may not even have foresaw for themselves. You know, everybody has stepped up and tried to contribute. You know, unfortunately, we just came out a little bit short. And and I got to ask you, you know, about coming up a little short, the, the final play of the game, the recess play, which, you know, when people see those lateral plays, I think everyone just assumes it's chaos and people are just trying to lateral back until someone finds a seam. But that's a recess play. You know, the, the guys were saying that that's something you guys practiced. And and then Horstead's got a chance there to pitch to you. Looks like, you know, you got Miller in front of you with, for a potential blocker. It looks like you might have a seam, but of course, Horstead couldn't get the ball to you before the defense got on him. How how were your eyes getting huge there, seeing a potential shot at the end zone? Yeah, you know, I knew that we had a shot, you know, to get into the end zone, you know, but again, you know, that play can go so many different ways, you know, so even how many times you practice it or whatever, you know, the outcome has the potential to be different, you know, but I thought that as far as, you know, where everybody was at spot-wise and just kind of how uh, the play went, you know, it definitely was executed, you know, almost executed to uh, perfection, you know, but again, we came out short, you know, but I think that everybody, you know, as far as even having a guy like Horstead, you know, come in who's who's been playing for us now the past few weeks, you know, for him just to down the stretch, you know, be in the places that he's, that, um, that he's supposed to be and, and uh, situationally and stuff like that, you know, I thought he played a lot of good football for us, you know, as he's, as he's come in and stepped up for us, you know, I thought he's, I thought he's done well. What about your season uh, personally? Like, like I said, you're having a fantastic season, and I don't want to just talk about you know why this season's been so great, but from from a health standpoint, because last year you're coming back from the knee injury and you had a good season, but you know you hear all the time about how it takes you know you that year to recover, and then you still take another year before you really get back to how you were before the injury. Did you feel that way? And, and like, how how was the off season different for you from having to rehab to really just trying to strengthen strengthen your knee and get fully back a hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. You know, last year, um, you know, going into last season, I didn't start really running routes until about July. You know, so um, just kind of uh, everything that I was going through as far as you know uh, physically and mentally was just trying to get the groove back. You know, on the fly. You know, but this year I was able to have you know the the entire off season, you know, from like the first off season wise, being able to to get with one of my trainers in New York and, you know, train for about five weeks with him, you know, before OTA time. And then and then also going down to South Florida, you know, training with my trainer Pete, you know, for about uh five weeks as well. You know, so being able to have those things to get my body prepared and to get my body prepped for a season, you know, I thought that was big for me. And also just to just to continue to, you know, increase the amount of explosion that I have, you know, the speed and things like that, you know, I was really able to, to focus on 
on improving my body, not just getting back to par, but, you know, getting back to an elite level. And, and an elite level you have definitely gotten to. And, and speaking of elite levels, Anthony Miller really looks like he's headed there at, at a freight train pace, the way he's been playing the last few weeks. What have you seen in the, in the young receivers this year, specifically Anthony Miller and Riley Ridley? I know it took Riley a long time to get on the field, but he's getting a few opportunities here the last couple games. Talk about those two guys. Yeah, you know, I think that those guys have really stepped up. You know, I think especially Anthony Miller, you know, I think that what I'm most impressed with is just kind of how he's handled, you know, this season. You know, especially coming off a good uh, rookie season, you know, again with with, with uh, some of the with some, with some things going, you know, how they went early on in the season for him to be able to mentally, you know, compartmentalize that and just and just continue to stay locked in and to and to just capitalize on his opportunities. You know, I think that says a lot about, you know, just the growth of him as as a person, you know, and I think that that's special. You know, I think whenever, you know, um knowing the guy he is, you know, he's always gonna get better on the field, you know, but it's as as he continues to improve, you know, Anthony Miller, you know, the sky's the limit for him. And I think that we've saw that this year. All right, and a couple more for you here. And I can't talk to a wide receiver on the Bears without talking about the quarterback. Mitch Trubisky's been talked about national level, local level, a ton this year. You know, the play's been inconsistent. He's been highly criticized, and and I, I'm not going to pretend that I haven't criticized him either. But, you know, he did have a couple good games there with, with Dallas and Detroit and looked like he was putting it together. Made some big-time throws against Green Bay. I'm sure he made some throws that he'd like to have back as well. What's it been like playing with Trubisky this season? Have, have you seen growth where you think he can become an elite quarterback or a great quarterback at this level definitely you know it's not easy playing that position at this level you know and it's a lot that goes into it you know and over the past few weeks you know I thought that we picked up our level of play around him and and um and I've been able to play a little bit better you know and and help him out you know in a lot of different situations you know so I think that as long as we just continue to to for him to grow and also continue to ourselves as far as growing, you know, I think that it definitely takes, um, you know, more than just one player, you know, especially at that position, you know, um, um, a lot goes on around him as far as, you know, uh, up front, you know, in the backfield on the, on the uh, outsides, you know, so, so it's a lot that goes into it, you know, so I think as, as far as all of us, you know, we just have to continue to get better. All right, and, and last one for you here. When you when you came to Chicago, you signed a three-year deal. Two years are up. Obviously, you know, I would think the Bears would be smart to try and extend you this offseason. If they came to you and said they wanted to work on even a longer-term contract, is that something you'd be interested in? Yeah, yeah. It, it'll uh, definitely be something that I'm interested in, you know. Again, you know, um, as far as going down that road before, you know, I know it's a lot that kind of – that um that um goes into those things you know so I haven't really done too much too much thinking about it now but you know as far as with the community work and stuff like that that I do and also you know with just with just how I you know um uh, like Chicago you know it's definitely something that I'll be open to you know but again I haven't put too much too much thought into it right now just trying to finish this season strong and then you know going to go into the off season you know and I'm sure that it'll probably um it'll probably be a little bit bigger than it come up then but you know definitely something that I, that I will be open to. All right, Alan Robinson's Within Reach Foundation doing some great things in the community and helping educate kids. Alan, again, if ki- if, if Bears fans want to get involved and, and donate and, and come to events, where can they go to find more information? Yeah, so they can go to allenrobinson12.org, and you know, and, and it's the information on on um, all the things that we do throughout the course of the year, as far as event wise. You know, you're able to donate. You know, you're able to catch up with the with the events that we're doing, you know, the back-to-school event, the gala that we do, our big fundraiser, or the Christmas events, you know. So if you go to allenrobinson12.org, you have all the information right there to be able to participate and be able to be a part of what we're doing. 
There it is, Bears fans. Go get there and, and, and participate. An absolutely great thing Alan does on, on a regular basis. Alan, really appreciate your time. Good luck here against uh, Kansas City back in prime time here on, on Sunday night, and, and good luck the rest of the way. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right. There he is, Alan Robinson heading to the Pro Bowl. A great, great season so far with him. A couple more games to go just to add to it. But some great stuff there with Alan. Really appreciate his candor and some great things he's doing with the foundation. Have to love it. And I'll tell you one thing. A lot of the Bears players give back to the community. And I don't know if that's just a a coincidence or if that's encouraged from the Bears organization. But, you know, you heard from Nick Kwiatkowski last week with his holiday toy drive. Alan Robinson with his Within Reach Foundation. Just just a lot of good things the Bears players are doing. and, And you really have to appreciate that. So let's wrap up Bears banter, not just for this episode. But for 2019, because we will not be on next week, we're, we're skipping the, the week of between the Chiefs and the Vikings game due to due to the holidays, a little travel, a little couple things mixed in. So I will not be doing a podcast next week. But being that the Bears are sitting at seven and seven and the playoffs are over, really not missing too much, because at this point, We are evaluating this team for 2020 because any other hopes have been dashed. We will have a lot to dive into talking about this team, and we will break down every position group, who needs to stay, who needs to go, and there will be a lot of talk, not just in January, not just in February, not just in March, April, May, all the way through September 1st of next year about this quarterback position, what needs to be done, what Ryan Pace needs to do, how much blame to put on Trubisky, how much blame to put on Nagy. This will be a continuing conversation over the next several months. So that's going to do it for Bears Banter. Happy holidays, happy new year, all that good stuff. We'll talk to you next year. Adios, everybody, and bear down.